So you have some extra time because everything's bigger in Texas. There you go. So you're going to need just a little bit extra time. Well, we'll use it well. Okay. When Wendell Calder was with us at our spring retreat, I appreciated the music lesson he gave to all of us. He said, it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to follow the notes on the page that constantly go up and down. He said, just plow right through and get her done. We just sang, Open the Eyes of My Heart, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we read these words in verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the, of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord. I'll just pause there in that passage. And then we read in Ephesians, the plight of the unbeliever. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul makes it very clear uh, concerning how uh, we are to walk. And he makes, he makes this statement in verse 17. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. We just saying, open the eyes of my heart. And the Bible makes it very clear that for the unbeliever, they walk in blindness of heart. And so the question is asked, why... Why Texas? Why does uh, a couple from New Brunswick Bible Institute find their way down to Texas? What, how, does that, how is that connection made? What is this all about? I'll just read one more passage before we get into this. In Titus chapter 3, in verse 8, we read these words. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. And then in verse 14, Paul says to Titus, And let our people, let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. And so the Bible makes it very clear that for the unbeliever, there's a spiritual blindness that engulfs them because their eyes have been blinded by the God of this age, Satan. The Bible makes it very clear that for the unbeliever, their understanding is darkened. And so we shouldn't expect them to live like believers. The Bible also makes it very clear that for those of us who have believed, an imperative that God has given to us is to maintain good works in good works that sometimes meet urgent needs, that we might not be unfruitful. And when I, when I think of this thing of Texas, and every year for a number of years now, I'm going to just guess maybe 12 years or plus, New Brunswick Bible Institute has had the privilege under Al Cabral of putting together a team of students to go down to Texas to meet what I would consider urgent needs, to have the opportunity to do what I would consider good works. Uh, to have the privilege of bringing the light of the glorious gospel to a very darkened area. I was reading 
on online news this afternoon and the church that we work with in Far, Texas, which is based in the outskirts of McAllen, which would be like saying from Somerville to Heartland, same area. Uh, McAllen, Texas, this past week in the Rio Grande Valley region, uh, the border control, or border patrol rather, made 7,600 arrests of, of folks coming across the border illegally. And, and it wasn't all Mexicans. Mexicans placed fourth in that grouping. It's, uh, it's, it's even from Central America they're coming up through. And uh, 7,600 arrests. That's an average of 1,100 a day. And they're just slipping through that border. And you can imagine in that kind of a setting the, the, the instability that is, that is part of that culture. And uh, I don't want to speak to the issue politically at all, but other than to say that kind of a setting creates instability. Instability in communities, instability in homes, and uh, it's, it's, it's not an easy area for ministry. That's saying it. That's an understatement. Well, let's talk about this team of students. And my wife and I, we, we took seven students this year, three guys and four gals, down to Texas. Uh, we generally have probably an average of about 15 to 18 students that go. Uh, but Curtis Kent had the great idea of taking a team to New York. And when Curtis told me he was going to do that, I was absolutely thrilled that we would have an opportunity in New York street evangelism for our students as well as this opportunity in Texas. And, uh, and I was thrilled with the number of students that signed up to, to go down to New York. That was what a blessing to them, to the Kents, to the Moles, uh, to the folks down there all around. But at the time that we were putting together a team, uh, and we only had seven students that were available, uh, I called the pastor, uh, Pastor Wally Murillo, and I said, listen, this is, this is who we have. It's not as many as I anticipated, just based on the history of the teams. And he said, well, that's how many God has for us. He said, and we will make do. What I didn't know, and what he didn't know, is that there would be a small Bible school, Pioneer College of, or Frontier College of the Bible, down in Montana, who also had an interest in, in this team. And they joined us, and they made up the difference. There were six of them, seven of us, and so we had 13 students, and, uh, plus my wife and I. And, and, uh, so that was, a, that was just neat to see how God undertook for that and was meeting a need even before we knew how it was going to be met. And so we just, that's just a, a note of praise. This is... Uh, this is where the church is down in McAllen, Texas, right on the Mexican border, the southernmost tip of, of Texas. And when we talk about the camp that I'll be explaining in just a few minutes, the camp is actually up here in a place called Leakey, Texas, up in the hill country. And from here, where the camp is to where the church is by car, it's about a seven-hour drive, roughly. And uh, by bus, and our students travel on bus with the campers that are going up to the camp, by bus, it's about a 10 to 12 hour drive. And we'll talk more about that. But primarily, there was a church down here in Fire, Texas, Grace Community Church, uh, another church in Edinburgh, which is right next door, and then a church in San Antonio. And, uh, and basically, those three churches joined together to put on a camp up here in Leakey, Texas. So let's, let's talk about the connection. Uh, this is 
This is Memorial Day weekend in the United States. We're memorializing uh, the veterans who have served, who have laid down their lives for the country. And this, this little church, Grace Community Church, the building that you see is built in large part because of a, an American soldier who lost his life in Vietnam. And I'll just tell you the story very quickly. About 40 years ago, uh, Dr. Wally Morello and his wife Jane, uh, who had been serving at Florida Bible College, uh, they, they sensed God's call to move west uh, into the region of this region of Texas and to begin a youth ministry called Youth Ranch. Youth Ranch is for the, the southwest, I'm told, what Word of Life clubs or Awana clubs might be for us in this region. And so Wally and Jane just sensed God's leading to develop this youth ministry. And so they began with a small group of teenagers in this little community of Far Texas, uh, not knowing what would ever become of it, not even having a church property to meet on, just establishing a youth ministry. And from that youth ministry gore, uh, grew a core group of young people who sensed God's leading in actually purchasing property and building a church. Imagine a youth group taking that as a, as a, as a calling from God. And in the process of, of just beginning this, this little work, uh, one, of the, one of the young men back in the early 1970s, late 1960s, must have been early 70s, uh, was drafted into the military service for his country and was called overseas to Vietnam. And as he prepared his, his, uh, his insurance policy and will and all of those things that a soldier will do before they're put in uh, to overseas service, he named this youth group as his beneficiary. And he laid his life down for his country and the group, the youth group that was left behind when they received this, this benefit, they used that to literally build the church building. If you go up into the rafters of the church, you'll see rafters that were constructed by teenagers. That must have been before code and uh, was implemented, I'm sure. And you'll see, you'll see the signatures of the teenagers on the rafters as they, as they would build them. Uh, during their youth group nights. And it's quite a, it's quite a story. It's a, there's much more involved, but it's quite a story of a couple and of some young people who just had a sense of vision from God to, to reach out to the young people of that community. <coughs> this, uh, this youth ministry uh, has gone on for a number of years, and, and some of the kids that have come up through the youth ministry are now leaders in the church. It's, it really is it's quite a story. I love working with Grace Community Church. Uh, doctrinally, they would be exactly on the same page as, as the People's Church. They're a beautiful people. When we went to the camp, I would say there was probably an average of no less than 30 to 35 adult workers from the church who went up to the camp with us. So it wasn't just NBBI's team running the camp. This is a local church running a camp. And these were folks taking a week off from work and, uh, and, and some of them using that as their vacation time and, and taking these kids to camp. It's a really, it's an amazing, an amazing feat. Uh, you guys know Linda Duffield, Ken and Linda, dear to our hearts here. Uh, this would have been their home church uh, when they were settled in this part. And so that's our connection. Uh, when Ken and Linda Duffield were attending uh, this church in the Rio Grande River uh, Valley, they, uh, they spoke to their pastor and they said, listen, we have a friend up north, his name's Al Cabral. You need to have him come down and do some teaching. 
And, uh, and so Wally took them at their word and brought Al, Al down. And, and so that began a connection many, many, many years ago with this part of North America and this little church. And, uh, and when Al saw what was going on in this camp ministry, uh, together he and Wally thought it would be very profitable to start raising up a team of students from NBBI to make their way down over March break. And so that's, that's how this began. This is uh, Dr. Wally Murillo and his dear wife, Jane. And uh, when we arrived at the church, they had a welcome board for us, and the names of all of our team and the team from Frontier School of the Bible are on those Texas stars. Uh, so this is our team with the NBBI hoodies on, and, uh, and interspersed in our team are some of the young people from Frontier School of the Bible. And it was just like hand in glove. You would have thought these teens... Uh, these students had all gone to the same school at the same time. Although we were literally thousands of miles apart in their training and didn't know each other until the day that we showed up, you, you would have thought these kids had grown up together. That's the bond in the family of God. That's the privilege of seeing ministry even beyond our own local borders here. That's a couple of our students. This is Ryan Farrell. Ryan is from Nova Scotia. I'm going to tell you his story just briefly. Uh, Ryan grew up in a Roman Catholic church in, uh, in Nova Scotia, just north of, of Halifax. And, and uh, Ryan had a friend who, a number of years ago, invited him to Mount, Mount Traber Bible Camp, good, solid Bible camp. And, uh, and Ryan initially said, no, I'm not interested in going. I'm not much of a camper. And his friend persisted. And so the following year, Ryan decided, I think I'll go to Mount Traber Bible Camp. But his friend wasn't able to go. But Ryan went anyways. And there he heard the gospel. And there he was gloriously saved from his sin and saved out of a legalistic past in, of his Catholicism. And Ryan, as a brand-new believer, came to New Brunswick Bible Institute. It's ironic because uh, Gary Stairs had some Word of Life students in that area, and they caught wind of Ryan's story, and, and they spoke to Gary, and Gary Stairs actually called Mount, Mount Traber and talked with Ryan on the phone and invited Ryan to go to Word of Life. And uh, God just saw fit to, uh, to, to bring him to a good Bible school. And uh, I tease, we love Word of Life. And, uh, but Ryan somehow ended up at New Brunswick Bible Institute instead and had a, had a wonderfully strong three years. I worked closely with Ryan, and I never got tired of hearing his testimony. And in the process of Ryan's schooling, uh, he watched as his mom came to Christ, his dad came to Christ, uh, his sister came to Christ, and uh, another sister has professed salvation, and uh, she was actually with us at the camp that week, and, uh, and there's still a brother who needs yet to come to Christ. And uh, so quite a story. So Ryan ended up doing his fourth year internship that New Brunswick Bible Institute has their Advanced Biblical Ministries program. Ryan did that at this little church in Far, Texas. So he spent the school year there. So what a joy for us to meet up with him again after being separated since September and, uh, and to see the, the work that he had been doing with this little church. I'll tell you, they, they could not have spoken more highly of this kid. And uh, what, a, what a testimony. When we arrived... Uh, we, we arrived on a Thursday night, and on Friday morning, uh, we were working with the kids at the uh, Christian Academy that the church has. 
And so this is just some of our students doing a, a silly song, means nothing, just was fun. And uh, doing, doing a skit about the spiritually blind. There I'm doing some teaching on the wise man who built his house on the rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And then this, this time of Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday, those three days that we have, or the two and a half days, are really meant uh, to help us to get in with the youth of the church and with some of the leaders, get to know them as a team, because we're going to be working at a camp with them in just a, another day. And so that team building is very, very important so that we arrive at camp all on the same page. And so a lot of what takes place is, is team building, just games, hanging out, fellowship time. And so you see that happening with the two Bible institutes and some of the kids from the community. And here I'm getting counsel uh, from a young man who is telling me why boys act silly and why girls stop and stare at them when they do act silly. He has, he has it all figured out. And, and so again, just, just having a, an enjoyable time team building with these kids. I want to tell you the story of the storeroom. This camp that I've been talking about that takes place up north in the hill country, uh, it's, it's a shell of a camp. It's a beautiful facility, but there's nothing there that's provided by way of, of food or paper products or anything like that. We have to bring it all to the camp. It's all going to be trucked seven hours north. And so the church spends the, the year building up their storage of of items that will be needed for the camp. And so folks voluntarily donate. Someone brings in a case of paper towels and somebody else brings in a case of cereal and somebody else just adds to it and they know what their needs are and they let their needs be known and the church just fills that need. And to me that's it's such a great picture of a local church working actively together to accomplish something that's bigger than any one of them. Often when we go to camp, and, and uh, you know, our experience is we show up and the food's already there, someone's already there getting it ready, and we just enjoy camp. Well, this experience is one of getting everything, bringing it, and then doing all, all the work of the ministry. And so on this day, we're uh, trying to figure out how to load the two U-Haul trailers that we had, plus trucks, plus buses, and everything else. And uh, this, is, this, this gentleman here, Frank Steele, uh, Frank is about as rough around the edges as they come, but what a dear brother in Christ. And, uh, and a heart, a heart that just melts like hot knife through butter when he sees young people engaged in the things of God. And uh, we, we have really cherished our relationship with Frank and, and these other two gals. This lady here used to jump out of airplanes for the Army. Imagine that. And uh, she served her country well, she and her husband, and, uh, and is a... Just a, just a seasoned veteran of Jesus Christ as well. So loading the trailer, letting the girls carry the heavy stuff out. It's actually paper product. And, uh, and even getting the buses ready. I told you it's a 12-hour bus ride. So we're there Thursday night. We fly into Texas. We have Thursday night, Friday and Saturday to team build and to get to know each other a bit to have some camp meetings to discuss what's going to happen when we get there. And then Sunday, our team of students ministers in the morning service at the church and then the evening service at the church. And then at 11 o'clock at night, they start loading the buses for an overnight bus ride. And that, to me, that's remarkable. And, uh, and not just that our students would do that, but that they get 
40 and 50 year old bus drivers that will drive through the night. There's no, there's no pay given to them. It's all voluntary. And it's, it's just an amazing thing. So here, uh, Steve, the maintenance director, he's actually putting some sealant spray around the windshield because last time he drove the bus it rained and he got soaked. So dealing with some pretty good quality equipment, right? And our, our gals are cleaning out the bus, getting it smelling nice for the trip to camp. And uh, this is Jesse, one of our students from the St. John area. A lot of work even before we go to camp. Every, every part of the ministry we get to touch. And uh, we're just glad for that opportunity. Loading the buses up. There's a boys bus and a girls bus. There's a few buses from San Antonio that join us. Uh, from, from the little ones to the adults, we had over 300 at camp. They run three main programs uh, in the same setting. They have a, they have a tween camp for the, the younger kids. They have a, an adult camp with a Bible speaker uh, for the, the adults. And then there's a teen program that's taking place. We all eat our meals together and, uh, and have some activities together. But then most of the times we're split up into the different age groups. There's the girls' bus. You can't even see the floor of the bus, can you? It's just packed. That bus could flip upside down and no one would even leave their seat. It's packed tight. So H.E. Butt Foundation Camp. H.E. Butt is the, it's a food store chain, like we would have Sobeys or Superstore here. This is a privately held, family-owned food chain, a food store chain in Texas. And H.E. Uh, Butt is a believer. And many in his family are believers. And they're, they're food store, grocery store chain has been so profitable that they established a foundation to give back to their community and specifically this particular foundation, they, they acquired a huge multi-hundred track, multi-hundred acre track of land in the hill country and they've built a series of, of camp facilities throughout this, this area right on the Rio Frio River. Frio means cold. It's a cold river and it is. And uh, the Butt family has built this, this impressive, impressive camp facility, and they use it solely for churches and Christian organizations to use at zero cost. That's why a small church in the inner city of Far Texas is able to take a group of 300 to camp because they, they can charge the people a very minimal cost to cover groceries, and if there's a kid that has no money, he goes anyways. And uh, there's no overhead uh, fees assessed by the camp. And so we're very, very grateful. They've had a relationship with this foundation for 40 years now, and uh, that's, that's quite a testimony. So when you, when you get to this place, you actually have to drive in the riverbed to get right up to the camp site. And that's quite a, that's an experience if you've never driven in a, in, a, in a flowing riverbed. That's always fun. Just a beautiful setting on the Rio Frio. If you, uh, if you watch close enough, the story is told that you might see a mountain goat fall off the cliff and into the water. I've not seen one yet, but I look every year for it. And uh, some of the campers. Notice the lifeguard. <laughs> some pretty dangerous waters are jumping into. This, is, this place is called the Blue Hole, and, and literally you're jumping into a, a carved out rocks in the water. It's, it's really, it's, it's very impressive. There's Jesse with some of the guys. 
when, when we were getting ready for camp, and uh, we were down, uh, we, we do a lot, Beth and I do a lot of preparation with our students. We meet on a regular basis, we're praying on a regular basis, we're talking about what it's going to look like. They're learning some songs and some skits to bring to camp. So there's, we put together a team really at the end of September each year. And, uh, and then we go in, in March. So there's a lot of behind the scenes that takes place. And we're constantly reminding the kids that the key to their ministry is going to be flexibility and in and, and, uh, a sense of submission to those that are over them that are going to ask things of them. And so we, we continuously drill that into their understanding of why we're doing this. And when we got down to Far Texas, Freddie Coyle, the evangelist teacher for the week at the camp, uh, he sat with our students and Frontier School of the Bible students, and he made this statement. He said, please don't forget that you guys are servants of the Lord. And whatever the Lord requires of you, please do it with a glad heart. And he, was, and, he, and he said that so very clearly. Well, Jesse, Jesse is, is such an outgoing, loud, wild guy. I know I spent 12 days in the NBBI van with him uh, this past couple of weeks. Love him dearly. But he's very, very outgoing, and he needs loud, wild, outgoing guys around him to, uh, to, because life is always a constant party. And I see Mary shaking her head. She knows Jesse. And... Uh, and when we got there, Jesse was really hoping he would get to work with the teen guys, guys that he could play uh, full contact basketball with, you know, just rough, tough guys. He was looking for that. And uh, the head counselor actually put him in with the junior high boys. And he went to, to bed that first night thinking, I am not going to like this experience. But then the words of Freddie Coyle came back to him. And he said to himself, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to do this with a glad heart. And, uh, and the result of that was uh, Jesse had probably one of the best experiences in his life, and that's his testimony. That's not my take. Those are his words. And, it was, and again, it, what an opportunity to see our students at MBBI stretched even beyond what they thought they were capable of. The, uh, the Bible time, this is our outdoor chapel. Uh, the Bible time, I would say it's probably an average of five hours a day. About three hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. Uh, in the morning, they have three, the teens have three different speakers. In the evenings, they have two different speakers. And it's really, it's, it's, it's a profound time of concentrated gospel, evangelism, uh, new believer truth, a challenge to the seasoned believers. And we see, each year, we see a number of kids come to Christ uh, who came from some very godless situations. Uh, and this year, again, we, we saw more come to Christ. Uh, the gospel is shared almost in every meeting. And, uh, it's, it's, and the kids, they're willing to sit on wooden benches for three hours at a time. Now, they stand up and they sing and they have a few breakout sessions and come back. But that total time is about five hours a day. Uh, that's that's unheard of for many camps up in our area. You know, 20 minutes in the morning of teaching and maybe 20 minutes at night, and, and we almost feel like that's too much. Uh, some of these kids are so hungry for the truth because they're not getting it anywhere else. And the beautiful thing about this model, by the way, is that when these kids go away from the camp, 
they already have an attachment to the youth group ministry. So, so they may come from some, from some different areas, but they're going to be they're going to have the opportunity to, to plug back into that, that youth group that brought them up to the camp. So it's good follow-up opportunity. There's Freddie Coyle. He's an evangelist from Georgia. Does a magnificent job sharing the gospel. We had him at our teen retreat here last, last year. One of our students playing the drums for worship. This year, I, I put this picture in so that you could understand we weren't down there in the sun this year. It was, it was chilly. The kids were wrapped up in blankets and jackets. And uh, it, it, even the ones from Canada, you, you know this one, Brianne, Little, uh, Brianne Long, and uh, wrapped up in blankets and jackets. It was so cold. Uh, in one of the teen meetings, I was the third preacher for the morning, and by the time I got up to preach, I had about 45 minutes, and I saw the kids there just chattering. I thought, there's no way I'm going to do this. I, I preached a, a shorter, much shorter version and got them outside into the sun. Uh, so it's, it wasn't all always hot, that's for sure. Students doing a skit. This is me teaching the younger. I had the privilege of teaching the adults, the younger, and the teens, and that's, that's just a joy. But what a beautiful facility, huh? Yeah. Jesse with some of his guys, the girls. Again, the blankets and the outdoor pavilion. This is Sandy. We call her Crazy Sandy, the bus driver. Uh, time doesn't permit to tell you about the largeness of this gal's heart. Uh, she, is, uh, she is a gal who uh, drives public school bus, but she also drives the church van for their youth ranch nights. And she drives a van from about, about 30 minutes away. And she goes into a, a very impoverished community called Harlingen. And she is in that community going door to door and picking kids up and bringing them out to youth ranch at night and sometimes getting them home even after midnight. That's after driving school bus all day. And uh, that's her weekly ministry. Uh, she has had times when she's actually gone into a home, has gotten a kid up and dressed to bring them to church. I mean, just a huge heart for the young people. When you're with this gal, you can't help. You just can't help but to be infected by the, the grace that, that exudes from her and the love that she has for, for uh, the underprivileged. What a story. These are our students in the dining hall getting ready for our evening counselor meeting. Volleyball outside. Lots of beautiful hiking trails, but be careful where you sit. And uh, again, the Rio Frio. It's Dr. Marillo, my wife. Let me tell you a little bit about my, what my wife and I did for the week. I shared with you that I, I got to speak to the different age groups, but that wasn't my primary responsibility. My primary responsibility was, as Mr. Cabral would say, juice boy or juice man. And uh, I, I had the opportunity of working in the kitchen and, uh, and mixing up the iced tea, the Kool-Aid, the orange juice, the lemonade every day. And I think I mixed up well over 150 gallons of drinks for that large camp. And uh, that was a privilege for me, such a little thing, just to mix up the drinks. And I mean, can you imagine raising money to go to Texas just to offer somebody a cool, refreshing drink? Uh, what's the value in that? It's a lot of value. 
because it's, it's what the Bible calls a good work uh, that sometimes is, is of urgent necessity. And uh, it was a privilege to get up early with the guys, help in the kitchen, run the mop, scrub pots and pans, mix the drinks, and just work behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of my ministry at NBBI is out front. My students see me behind the pulpit in the chapel. A lot of it is, it is out front ministry. Uh, it's important to me to have some behind the scenes ministry to demonstrate to our students that, that ministry sometimes is just grassroots doing the job. And uh, it's not just about the preaching and the teaching. And so we look for that opportunity. My wife, uh, I don't know how many pots of coffee you made, a lot. Morning, afternoon, evening, she kept the coffee going. It was like her own little Tim Hortons there. And uh, with, with 50 plus adult workers, they sure could go through a lot of coffee. And, uh, and again, it was our joy to get up early, early in the morning before everybody else, get to the dining hall, get the coffee, get the orange juice, a little thing. And, uh, but, I, but, but for us, it was, it was a good thing. We enjoyed that privilege. Along with visiting and, 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 and just chatting with folks and getting to understand some of, some of what they carry as a load in their ministry down there. This is a camp picture on the, on the second to the last day. This is a group of our girls with their campers praying before they get on the bus to head back down to southern Texas. And then we get back. Camp goes from Monday to Friday. We get back to the church Friday night. Somewhere around 10 o'clock or so, the bus pulls in. And so it's been an exhausting week. And then we have an early morning flight Saturday. So there really, really isn't any downtime. We, we basically get the buses unloaded, get our stuff, and then, we're, and then we get a few hours to crash before we get back on a plane. Uh, but Frank, I told you about Frank earlier, uh, he called me up late that Friday night. And he said, Keith, what time is your flight? And I said, we're going to be at the airport just after 7. And he said, I, I want to be there to get a picture. And I said, well... That's early, and, and Frank had worked as hard as anybody. And, uh, and I said, that's pretty early. He said, I want to be there. So he came, and he got a, he got a photo of us at the airport. And, uh, and I said, Frank, why is this so important to you to have a picture? Because the church already had a group picture of us. He said, because I'm going to, going to be recruiting some other adults for next year's camp, and I want them to see the faces of, of, the, of the best kids I've ever worked with in my life. What a what a blessing that was to Beth and I to hear him say that. And it was it, he was it wasn't just lip service. He actually had to get up early early in the morning and make his way through city traffic to get to the airport for a, a quick photo. But he was serious. Uh, you know, we as a church we invest in NBBI through our missions giving, and uh, and we see NBBI here when the music groups come through Encouragement Month. Uh, but for some of you, and I know I'm looking at many of you who work at NBBI, and you're very familiar with the things I'm saying, uh, but for those of you who aren't necessarily immediately connected to that little school that we support, uh, let me just tell you this. God is continuing to raise up a new generation with a heart to serve, a heart to love, whether it's, whether it's Megan Rushton going well beyond her comfort zone. If you thought she was nervous getting up to share this morning, 
By the way, great 20-second testimony. Awesome. If you thought that was nerve-wracking for her, can you picture Megan Rushton down on the streets of New York handing out literature, tracts? These, these trips that we take our students on, they're not vacations. They're, they're absolutely essential in the stretching and the growing of both our students and, and their staff. And so on behalf of my wife and I, we want to say thank you. The missions committee this year uh, overwhelmed us with the support that was given. And uh, it's no small thing. We understand that's your dollars that you give in the offering plate. And, uh, and you trust your missions committee to, to appoint those dollars appropriately. And, and uh, we're just, we're very grateful that we had the opportunity to be an extension of the People's Church, not only NBBI, but the People's Church. So thank you so much.